glad uh, to be here. My name is Mike. Uh, yes, another guy named Mike wearing the same shirt as the Mike that was just up here. This is the new living water uniform for everyone who preaches. No, I'm kidding. It's had a lot of changes. That's not a change that's coming. But, uh, you know, I'm so glad to be here this morning. I, I love this church so much. Uh, and when, of course, when I say church, I mean the people that are here, not the building. Um, you know, last night, God was very good to us, having all the technological stuff work out, all the equipment. Uh, that's been our prayer again this morning. A lot of changes going on around here. But, uh, you know, this shirt is a gift from Pastor Mike, who's been very good to me. And, you know, he prayed for me last night and again this morning. And, you know, he, uh, I had to kind of check my emotions because I was uh, getting a little misty-eyed because he's telling me that, that, that he just loves me and he loves the work that God has done in my life. And uh, so I'm just grateful to be here this morning. So uh, that, uh, that song we just heard, <clears throat> it's a little bit dated. Uh, that's from 1990. Uh, a guy named Steve Camp uh, was the singer there. And uh, the song's called Run to the Battle. And I love how the song begins. It starts with this. It says, some people want to live within the sound of chapel bells, but I want to run a mission a yard from the gates of hell. And I ask you, does that, does that do anything for you? Does, does that work in your soul and stir you in any way? Because then the song goes on to say, and with everyone you meet, take them the gospel and share it well. And look around you as you hesitate, for another soul just fell. Let's run to the battle. And so I ask you, does that, does that move you? Does that do anything inside? Does that light a fire inside of you? Reminds me when we speak of the fire within of a, a verse that I don't think gets enough pub. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out by quoting this. It's from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 20, verse 9. I just love this. As Jeremiah is speaking, he says, If I say I will not mention him, speaking of the Lord, or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. That's a great verse. So let me just uh, tell you where I'm coming from today. Let me, let me lay my cards on the table. My prayer all week and this morning has been that God would burden our hearts in such a way that we would echo what Jeremiah says here, and that then we would be moved to action. Action. That's going to be the reoccurring theme this morning. I'm daring you to move. I will echo what James said in his epistle. Do not merely be hearers of the word and so deceive yourself, but be doers of the word. So let's go get it. Let's, let's dive in. Let's be hearers first. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that's where we're going to be. There's Bibles throughout the room. And while you're turning there, uh, let me just kind of set the table because I know not everybody attends every week and you're probably wondering where, where are we at with this, the basics of the gospel. This is a, a very short three-part uh, sermon series that began two weeks ago when uh, Sean Shea uh, shared with us back in, in the beginning of Genesis God's marvelous work in creation and how he created all things, including us. And then we looked at the fall there, how Adam's rebellion thrust the entirety of God's good creation into sin. And 
Then last week, Pastor Ben looked at what God has done to fix what was broken. How in Christ, he's reconciling the world to himself and making us new creations in Christ. And so that's where we left off. And I want to I pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're able, please stand with me as we hear from God and his word. Second Corinthians 5, we'll pick it up in verse 17. I'm reading from the ESV. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we sang that song earlier that, that you are faithful. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. And I just ask that you would show yourself to be faithful once again here today and, and, and use me. Speak to your people through me, Lord. Let this not be my message, but yours. And that you would uh, open up our, our ears and our, our hearts and our minds for what it is that you have for us. And what that is, is that we would move on this, this message, this message of re reconciliation that you have entrusted to us. Move in your people, please, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian here today, You've been given a ministry. God has given you a ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. See, God has saved you, and he desires to save others. And the way that he wants to go about doing that is to use you and to use me. We are ambassadors for Christ. What that means is this is not our home. This is not our, our eternal resting place. We're strangers in a strange land. And we come with a message, a message from the king. And the king is offering terms of peace. And we are to implore people. I like how the, the New American Standard puts it. We beg people. We plead with people, be reconciled to God. And so we've been given this job to do. Call it a great commissioning. And we've been given this job and he's entrusted to us a message. And he says, take that message and go and tell people. So I want to do two things here at the outset. I want to answer two questions. One, what is the message? And two, how do we share that message? We're going to get intensely practical today. My prayer all week is that by the time we're done here, you will know what this message is. You'll know how to share it. And then Probably, most importantly, you will act upon that knowledge. That is my prayer. 
So that's a lot to accomplish. So how do we begin? How do we start this? Well, I don't care whatever it is that you're endeavoring to do. There's a place you always should start. And that is start by seeking God in prayer. If, if we just run off to do something, whatever that may be, and God's not on board, he's still back here and we've run off somewhere else, it will fail. If he's not with it, it's going down. And so we must seek him first. And my prayer usually goes like this. I say, God, I ask that you would give me a burden for the lost. Burden my heart. Help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to love people the way you love them. Because quite naturally, I don't. And I need you to put that in me. And then give me boldness. Give me just the right words at just the right time for just the right person. And then move in their heart. Because I can't do that. Try as I might, I can't, I can't make that happen. That's not my domain. Right? If God doesn't work in the human heart, our message is just going to bounce right off them like bullets off a rock. See, as much as we want to reach in and take out that heart of stone in the unbeliever and, and insert in its place a heart of flesh, we can't do that. That's not our calling. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. And so that is my first encouragement to you. This is not about us. It's not. We play a role. We're part of it, no question. But, you know, we, we got to know what our role is in this. And that is that we're messengers. We're messengers of the king, right? And salvation belongs to who? Belongs to the Lord, Jonah 2.9. So what we're called to do is to preach it faithfully, preach it accurately, and preach it boldly. We can't, we can't put anybody in heaven, and we can't put anybody in hell, right? That's what we are called to do. And at the end of the day, the results they belong to God. And that's a great encouragement. So once God has burdened our hearts and we have that fire in our bones that we got to get it out, well, what do we tell them? What do we say? Well, we tell people the gospel, of course, the good news about Jesus. So if I was to ask you, if, uh, if I said, uh, could you share the gospel in, say, three minutes? An unbeliever comes to you, they say, you know, I know you're a Christian, I hear this word gospel, uh, I understand it's good news, uh, I'm curious, why don't you take three minutes and tell me, what would you say? Where would you start? How would you finish? What would you say in between? Would you be tapped out after three seconds? Like, well, God loves you, Jesus died on the cross, believe that. That's all I got. Well, you got two minutes and 57 seconds left. The first thing I would say, though, is that I don't think we start with Jesus dying on the cross. If we, if we start there, I think we have jumped over way too much content, okay? I don't think that's the beginning place. Many people will say, you actually have to start with the bad news first. And I think we're getting closer. I like that a little better, but here's how I would, I would say it. it. It should take the form of good news, bad news, good news. And I'll demonstrate that in a minute. 
After last night's service, somebody came up to me, somebody I love very much and I value their, their opinion. They said, you know, Mike, I think it really should be good news, bad news, better news. And I like that. I think he's on to something. And then as we talked about it, it's really good news, bad news, best news. So I'll explain that in a minute. But if you start with the bad news first, you're not beginning where the Bible begins. You're not, you're not starting where the Bible starts. The Bible doesn't begin in Genesis chapter 3. It begins in Genesis chapter 1. So if I had three minutes with somebody, and I was uh, attempting to, to share this, this message of re reconciliation, this gospel, I would start with God. I, I don't even think we, we, we start with ourselves. The gospel begins with God. And that God desires relationship with us. And that's good news. The God of the universe wants to know us. And he wants us to know him. So what's he like? Well, he's amazing. He's, he's good. He's kind. He's loving. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's perfect. And he wants us to be like him. But the problem is, we're not. We're not perfect, we're not even good, we're not kind to one another, we're not loving to one another, we lie, we cheat, we steal, we dishonor our parents, and the Bible calls all of this sin. And so we sin against one another, but ultimately all of our sins are against God, because we're not behaving like Him. And so... God has created us to represent him to the world. And the problem is, we're bad representatives. But more than that, we're lawbreakers. And so, yeah, God is, is, is loving, kind, and gracious, and merciful. Amen. But he's also holy. He's righteous. And he is just. And just like a good judge on this earth is going to take a guilty lawbreaker and put them away, God is really no different. If, if you are a guilty lawbreaker in his presence, he has a place for those individuals, and it's called hell. But God has made a way of escape. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, came to this place on a rescue mission. He came to restore us to that right relationship, to stand in our place and take the punishment that we deserve. And he died on the cross so we could go free. And he gives us life when all we deserve is death. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, praise God, he rose from the grave, forever defeating death. And for anyone who would turn from their sin and trust in him, he will grant them eternal life. And that is good news. So Jesus does what we could never do. He brings us back into a relationship with our creator, which was the reason we were made in the first place. And that is definitely good news. Now, you could, you could pick that apart. You could say, well, Mike, uh, you should have you mentioned this, or you should have emphasized that, or you should have elaborated on this a little more. As best as I understand it, that is the heart of the gospel message. And that's what people need to hear, that. So we got to get the gospel right. And so this is the perfect time for a commercial break. I will tell you tonight, you may have heard, we are having a movie here, right here in this room, called American Gospel, Christ Alone. 
tonight, 5 p.m., uh, free. We, we ask you to come out, check it out. I, I've had people RSVP before, but that was just a kind of an idea to, to gauge the interest level, which, praise the Lord, is very high. Uh, we're going to fill this room, and we got more room. We could set up chairs there. You are welcome to come out. You don't have to RSVP. Uh, just come out. Um, I'm so excited for this, because if you love the gospel, if, you, if you're intrigued by the gospel, you want to know more, you're going to hear a gospel proclamation that is clear as a bell. You will hear, this is the gospel. This is what it is, and this is what it isn't, okay? Very excited. I would encourage you, please, if you're not doing anything tonight, come on out, 5 p.m., right here. Commercial's over. All right, just a couple of side notes about what I, what I shared there. One is that I don't really think the gospel is a presentation as much as it is a conversation. When we're sharing the gospel with people, I don't, I don't think you just vomit it out like I just did there. You know, I, I'm trying to give it to you, you know, in kind of a, a concise yet thorough way, just focusing on the content. But in personal evangelism, I'm going to want to weave those truths in and out of a two-way conversation with people. Because I don't think personal evangelism is preaching at people. It's talking with people. Let me say that again. A lot of times we have this misconception. Uh, I got to go out and preach at people, and I do all the talking. They do all the listening. They better repent. Whoa, whoa. I don't think that's how it goes, okay? You want to talk with people, okay? Uh, another note, uh, just a side note. I tried to use... Uh, everyday, common day, you know, language there. You know, I, I do think that, that we could stand to lose some of our religious jargon. We love our religious jargon. We do. You know, but an unbeliever is not going to understand some of the things that you and I understand. Right? I don't, I don't think we should ever say to a lost person that you need to be washed in the blood of the lamb. Okay? <laughs> we love that. You and I know what that means. They don't. Okay? And besides, I think that's going to conjure up some images in their mind, like us with a bucket of lamb's blood pouring it over their head like some cultic ritual, looking like the movie Carrie or something. A little frightening, don't you think? Especially if you say it in all creepy way, like, you must be washed in the blood of the lamb. Like, don't do that, Okay? I love you, but stop, okay? So here's what I'm thinking at this point. As I was working through this, I thought, this is kind of a fork in the road here. I, I didn't know exactly what to do at this point. We, we could uh, attempt to do a thorough exposition of Scripture on what it has to say about the topic of evangelism and go through all these imperative texts that, that command us to, to do it. And it is a command, make no mistake about it. And you might sit here and, and say, you know, amen or praise the Lord. You might even take notes. But then you'll leave here and you won't go do it. How do I, how can I say that? Well, I think the statistics are on my side. This is what's been happening in many churches for many years all across America. We say, we need to do this. Then we go out and we don't do it. Well, the question is why? When you know the answer why, because this is hard. It's hard, it's scary, it's hard for me. 
I find it very scary. I'm, I'm sympathetic to that notion. I, I find great encouragement in the, the great preacher, the bold preacher, the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, called evangelism an irksome task. It's challenging, no question. But that doesn't mean it's not commanded by our God, because it is. So rather than beat you down with a bunch of Bible verses, put a big burden upon your back, and you walk out of here like, oh, I, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I just can't. I want to try something different today. If you leave here feeling that way, I, I have failed to accomplish what I hope to accomplish. And I pray God is with me. I really do. See, I know that feeling, that, that burden where, you know, it's just on your back and and, and I prayed to God when I, when I understood this, that I'm supposed to be his mouthpiece and be an ambassador and all that. And I said, God, I can't do this. Don't you know me? It's me. I can't do this. But then I also prayed something else. Because you probably have prayed something similar to that. You've asked God. Like, you've told him, please, I, this is not who I am. But I said something else in my prayer. I said, God, will you show me? You say to do this. Will you show me how to do it? I want to be obedient. Have you ever prayed that? I would encourage you to make that prayer. And I bet you he'll answer that. And I believe he did in my life. He did. And he showed me. He said, Mike, you need a lot of help. And I do. I need a lot of help. And he showed me that I need some tools. I need some things that are going to help me be obedient to this command. Because he wants me to get to work. And I just wonder sometimes if God is not saying that to us. That he's saying, hey, listen, break the huddle, okay? You come to church, you're in this holy huddle, we talk about what we ought to do. You know, this is, these are the things we need to be doing as Christians. And he's saying, yeah, enough of the huddle. Get out the huddle and start executing the play, right? Let's, let's, less talking, more doing. See, I think that, that we have enough knowledge, we have more knowledge in our heads than we know what to do with. I, I don't need another sermon. What I need is the obedience to act upon what I already know. Remember James chapter 1, do not merely listen to God's word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. So having said that, what I want to do is I want to put some tools in your hands. And get my clicker. See if this works. Come on. There it is. All right, so what I have, that's our logo at the top there. Uh, I want to I give you some tools to use, some resources to take advantage of, and some ideas, all with the goal that you will take these things and you'll move you will act upon them. That has been my hope. That you'll say, you know, Mike, you shared some things here. You know what? That one there that you shared, I can do that. I can do that. Let's just try that. Let's just say the words, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Man, you guys are better than last night, man. You're feeling it. All right, I'm encouraged. I'm not trying to turn this into a pep rally or anything, but I want us to get in the frame of mind like, yeah, I can actually do this. That's my hope. So, I'm going to focus on, on local evangelism. When we talk about evangelism, there's, there's local and there's global. And there's no question, we want to evangelize the world. 
We want to take this message that God has given us and take it to the ends of the earth. Absolutely. But what I'm going to focus on is what you can use right now, right here, right now in your current context. Okay? It's not for the, uh, necessarily for the missions trip you're going on this summer. It's something for you to do this afternoon. Okay? So the first thing that I will share with you is that uh, I created a website. I don't, I don't talk a lot about this website, but I probably should. It's called bringingtruth.com. It's about nine years old, and uh, it's, it serves two purposes. One is it's for the church, and that's why I probably ought to share it uh, a little more. I had some uh, cards created, these little business card-sized things, and front and back, and uh, has the logo on it there, and it says, Truth Fears No Question Challenge or objection. And the idea is that this is to equip the body of Christ. I have some articles on there that deal with you know, apologetics and evangelism, encouraging articles, um, some uh, articles on the objections that you hear when you do share your faith, uh, those types of things. There's, there's sermons there. There's something called uh, sermon jams. Some of you don't know what a sermon jam is. Uh, I'll see if I can describe it. Imagine uh, imagine Pastor Mike preaching over a beat that is a mix of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and Ice Cube, okay? You can hear that at bringingtruth.com. If that doesn't intrigue you, I don't know what would, okay? But there's some fun stuff there, but it's a tool to, for us to use, and I want to make it available to you. These cards are in the back, and I made the mistake last night of not saying this, and I need to say it. Not everything I have here is back there. I have loads of these cards. Take it. Check out the site. I would really encourage you to do that. But some of the things you'll see here that we tried to place the order, they were out of stock on some things, so I will get them. But what is back there is my business card, and this card has my email as well. If you see something up here that you want, email me. Email me. We budget for this stuff. I will buy it. I will give it to you. We'll work together on it. Okay, I want, again, I want to be a helper here. That, that's the idea. So uh, the, the website has another section to it, and it's called Street Conversations. And this is, this is what really, I'm making sure I don't fall off of here. I know my, my boundary. Um, yeah, so the Street Conversations, this is the way that, that I um, am able to share my faith. I needed a vehicle. I needed something. When somebody says, do you have a card? I don't give them my living water card most times. I give them this card. And they're like, bringing truth, what's that? Well, it's a, it's a website that deals with the big questions of life. Life and death and heaven and hell. And, and I have a section on there where I do interviews with people. And you'll see the parental advisory explicit content. I don't, I don't edit them. You're going to hear some rather vulgar things on there. Just a, a, a warning. I I don't know how to edit, and I just want to give it to you raw. This is, this is what you'll encounter when you, when you talk to people. So, you know, so I, I share this with you. Uh, another kind of disclaimer is my, my hope has been that no one would uh, leave here thinking that I'm attempting to say, hey, look at what I have done. If you leave here thinking that, I, I will feel just awful. Uh, that is not my intent. I, I want to I encourage you. And, and if you say, Bongo's a bag of bricks. He can do it, I can do it, okay? That, that's kind of the encouragement that I want to provide for you. So, so some of these conversations, they're, 
um, some with Muslims, uh, like uh, my man Rahim. I had a couple conversations with him. Met him at a, at a rest stop on the highway. Uh, VJ, who's um, he's a convenience store owner down on 3rd Street in Harrisburg. I uh, have a conversation with a good friend who's an atheist. They've been having dialogues back and forth with him. That one takes place actually in the hospital, Holy Spirit Hospital, because he had just had a massive heart attack. So I was by his bedside, and, and we did what we normally do. We talked worldviews and things like that, and he's an antagonistic atheist. He hates the Lord. We, but we're friends. I mean, this is the kind of friends I have. I love it. You know, and so he was gracious enough to, to, to do one of these. Um, the latest one on there is uh, a guy named uh, Phil who's been here many times. He's a, he's a practicing homosexual. Uh, we, I gave him a ride home one day, and we just had a, a very unscripted conversation about homosexuality, Jesus, repentance, and faith, and, you know, and uh, just raw, just, just put it out there. So, uh, you know, to eat the meat, spit out the bones, I say some dumb things, I say some incorrect things, I'm sure, uh, but it's there for you. Uh, the one that gets the most attention is uh, the conversation I had with my mom. I witnessed to my mom at the breakfast table, and my mom is just your, your typical nominal Christian. Uh, she, she's a character. <laughs> my mother is an absolute character. Uh, she says some things that will make you laugh, I guarantee it. I've heard, I've heard everything from it's hilarious to heartbreaking. I'll tell you the one thing she said. She said the, the funniest thing that I've ever heard in any witness encounter. She, uh, she was pounding on the table at one point saying that she deserves heaven. And I was like, Mom, really? You, you deserve heaven? And then she began to backpedal a little bit, and she's like, well, I'm kind of between heaven and hell. Like, I think I'll be in heaven. I'll just be living on the south side. That is my beloved mother. So that's, that's one resource for you. Another is something called Gospel Tracks. Uh, this is probably one of my favorites here. It's called The World's Ten Most Popular Things. It's like one of those scratch-offs, and you, know, you can just have fun with people, but it's got the gospel message on it. So speaking of my mom, when I visited her one time, uh, she, she likes to go to the bar and drink, and so I went with her, and uh, she's like, Michael, don't embarrass me, and uh, I tried my best not to, but I had one of these in my pocket, and so sitting at the bar with these people, and I pull it out of my pocket, and I, I say, hey, you guys want to play a game? And they're like, yeah, sure. You know, I said, there's a cash prize for the winner, so now I really got their attention, and I start to run down these questions, you know, like most popular drink. You know, some people think water or Pepsi or Coke. Some guy in the back is like, vodka. Like, <laughs> no, it's none of those. It's tea, actually. So we went through this most popular car, Volkswagen Beetle, most popular food, rice. And, you know, we just, we just had a good time. You know, they, they didn't see me as a stick-in-the-mud Christian. They saw me, like, as a fun Christian, right? And so it turns out my mom won. And uh, so she... The, <laughs> What she won was a uh, million-dollar bill, which is, of course, fake, but it has a gospel message on the back. This is a gospel track. And she just loved it. And she's like, do you have any more? 
I'm like, yeah, I got a whole stack. So I give her a whole stack, and the next thing I know, she's going through the entire bar, handing out these to everybody. I turned my mom into an evangelist. Here's, uh, here's another thing that, uh, this is popular with kids. Oh, I know we got some kids in here. Hey, Micah, you've probably seen this before, but just humor me, okay? All right, which, which color is bigger? Say it. Purple? It's black. Yeah, it's the lighting in here. Black, right? Right, now watch. Now which one's bigger? Orange. What? Black. See, they're the same size. It's a little optical illusion. They're yours. Take it. Give it to somebody, okay? Now, you might think that that's like a little bit hokey, and I don't know, maybe it is, but, you know, kids enjoy that. You know, it's just, I mean, we, we can have fun with this. So that's uh, another thing. Uh, this one here, I don't have these. People wanted these last night. This is a money wallet. It says a gift for you, and this is where you would put real money inside, okay? I have a dollar in there. That's all I can afford, okay? But I love what it says on the inside. It says there's many reasons. You know, why give away money is what it says. And it says there's four reasons. Let me just give you the first. And see how this would hit the ear of an unbeliever. As a small token of apology for the fact that so many have asked for money in the name of Christianity, Christians should be giving to the community, not taking from it. Now imagine you hand this to somebody who's like, oh, them Christians are all about money, and they see some of the garbage on TV about asking for money, and you hit them with one of these. And because you're rich, you put a 10 or a 20 in there. Wow, like that, that is going to impact them, no doubt. So here's, a, here's another thing along the, along the lines of just blessing people. I go to Sam's Club, I pick up a case of these uh, hot hands, hand warmers, and early Saturday morning, we'll go down to the bus stop down there on 2nd Street. People are all freezing, sitting there. We just roll up on them, and we, we, hey, would you like these? You know, you just squeeze it, and it instantly warms your hand. People can put it inside um, their gloves, and, you know, you could throw a, a, a tract in there or whatever, and just hand them to people and, and keep on moving, you know? But when you do that, they're going to, why? Why are you doing this? There's your opening right? So it's, it's just, it's not even necessarily to get to the gospel. I just think that the world could use a little more kindness, even if they just say, hey, thanks, appreciate it. Keep on moving. But somebody will ask you some questions, and there's your in, okay? So uh, another thing here, this is, a, this is a brand new logo that was developed like 48 hours ago. Uh, shout out to Morgan Johnson down in Dallas. Uh, she used to attend here. Some of you know Morgan uh, she is really talented uh, with graphics, and so I gave her this idea of break the huddle, and she developed that, and, and this is kind of a leak. I'm just letting you see this graphic because I think an area of our outreach here at Living Water that is lacking uh, a bit is doing service projects in this neighborhood, in the city of Harrisburg, cleaning some buildings, uh, you know, going uh, spring cleaning for, for widows, shoveling driveways, raking leaves in the fall. We're going to be planning some more of those throughout the year, three or four at least. Uh, so I wanted you to see that logo. And that's something, if you're, you know, you're that service kind of person, this is something that, that I want to um, bring to your attention. Now, uh, a door hanger, if you've been around Living Water for any length of time, you know we have the fall festival and we promote it through these door hangers. And uh, I had this idea, 
I went to Pastor Mike and I asked him if I could get a whole bunch of these and that I could print on them. And I want to print my own message. And it's uh, my website, what is the truth about the big questions of life, things like that. What had happened was I, I was burdened from my neighborhood. I, I thought, I don't want to stand before the Lord. And, and there's all these people in my radius that I see. Some of them I know their name. Some have been to my house. Some I just recognize the face because I see them driving by. Some I have no interaction with whatsoever. And they're all right there in my neighborhood. So I thought, well, how can I reach them? Well, I could run through the streets yelling, repent and believe. I wasn't ready for that, and I'm not sure that's a good approach anyway. Uh, I could go door to door, but again, I'm, I'm a wuss, okay? Can you say wuss in church? Because I just did, okay? I'm a big scaredy cat. I'm fearful. So what I decided was is I'll create these, and I'll go canvas my neighborhood at 3 a.m., <laughs> take a wild guess why I was out there at 3 a.m. I didn't want to run into anybody. And I hit every house except for one because it was a guy coming out of the house getting in his car. And that's the guy I avoid. I just, like, he's going to work, you now makes donuts or something. And I'm just, like, walking by, you know, 3 a.m., just out for a stroll, you know, with my, my hoodie on, going to people's doors. I'm lucky I didn't get shot that night, actually. But, but I wanted to reach out to them. My email's on here, my name. And, and, and start a dialogue, perhaps, with people. But imagine you're an unbeliever, and you read uh, the back of this. It says, why have you received this? Because that's going to be the question they're going to ask. What are you selling? What, you want me to come to your church? No, nope, that's not it. It says, you know, why have you received this? Two reasons. First, I have been commanded. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. What has he commanded? Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Secondly, I am grieved by the fact that many people perceive Christians to only be concerned with politics and social issues like abortion and homosexuality. Those are very important issues, but Jesus said that the two greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. One way for me to love my neighbor is to share the gospel in my community. God has granted me forgiveness of my sins, and he has given me eternal life, and if I never tell anyone else how to receive these, then I wouldn't be loving my neighbor very well. I recognize a lot of people know the name Jesus, but many don't know the truth about who he is, about what he's done, about what he's going to do. My desire is to simply love God, love my neighbor, and avoid being a hypocrite by actually doing what I've been commanded to do. So I, I ask you, if, if an unbeliever got that, do you... This, that sounds reasonable. Are they going to be like, oh, them, those hateful Christians, stop pushing your religion down? No, I, I don't think so. I think it's very reasonable. But I wrote it, so, you know. Uh, but if you want to do something like this, see me, email me. We'll create your own thing, and we'll canvas your neighborhood. I'd love to do that. We won't do it at 3 a.m., though. We'll do it at a different time. All right, let me make sure I get through this stuff. Um, this right here, we do for you. We, we make these sermon CDs. We make them available to you. I don't know where they're going to be now that we're shifting everything around, but somewhere on the premises, there's going to be these CDs of the sermon. And 
If you have anybody in, in, in your life, like, like I do, who, who thinks that you're religious, you know, you go to that living water and you're all religious and everything, reading your Bible, doing all that stuff, you can hand them one of these CDs preached by this one Mike Leonzo, and it says, Jesus Smackdown of Religion. And just say to them, you know, hey, I know you think I'm kind of religious and everything. Here's the, a sermon that my beloved pastor preached. I loved it. I, I'd love for you to just listen to it. I'd love to get your feedback. You know, maybe you'll share your thoughts with me afterwards. Or, or Pastor Ben preaches a sermon, News Worth Sharing. Well, take the CD and share the news. And look for those, those uh, conversations to develop. Uh, lastly, on the CD front, um, I made available on the back table here a, a CD that, uh, th this is me, this is our Making a Difference uh, sermon series, which is about two years ago, where it's on uh, outreach and evangelism. And this is more from the theological end of things, okay? The, today we're being very practical, but the theology behind evangelism here in, in Romans chapter 10 um, I thought this would make like a good uh, set, uh, this sermon and, and today. And I do a killer impression of Pastor Ben in here. So I, if you're interested in hearing that, I'm just kidding. Um, lastly, a uh, few things here. Uh, there's a DVD called The Biggest Question. I ordered these in bulk. I have hundreds of them. Please take one, at least for yourself. Watch it and then give it away. It's a 30-minute gospel presentation. Uh, Vody Bauckham's in it. Uh, Ray Comfort. Really well done, Re really quality stuff. Um, that goes well with uh, this. You may not be aware that, that we have gospel tracks and then we have living water materials. Well, what I wanted to do was to combine the two together and create a living water gospel track. Again, got hundreds of them, if not thousands. Uh, it says why, and it goes well with that DVD because it's why are you here, and it has a gospel message, and then on the inside is uh, a biblical response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I like about it is if you're not willing to have that type of conversation with people, the backside is just living water logo with our contact information. Just invite people to church with it, you know, and they'll read the rest of it or whatever, but this is a great way to, to just... Uh, if you love it here, you'd love to have people come out and join you. This can be a great tool in your hand. And lastly, I don't have this too. A lot of people wanted this. There's a handful of people at Living Water that reach out to me every few months and they say, Mike, I need more of the thank you tracks. Uh, these are gospel tracks that simply say thank you. You know, it says on the back, you've served me in some way. Just a way to bless people uh, with this. Leave it with a tip. Somebody comes to work on your plumbing, just you know, give them a card. What we did here at Living Water during last summer when the guys were working on the roof, you know, blazing hot, uh, we, we took um, some of these cards and created an envelope. Thank you for your hard work and dedication. Put this in there, a Living Water card, and we bought them a bunch of pizza and and subs, and Gatorade, and we just had lunch together and uh, shared these with, with the guys. So again, ideas. Uh, lastly, these are resources for you. Uh, this sermon, it's not a, it's not a sermon. I, I, let me take that back. This is a DVD called Hell's Best Kept Secret. This, about a dozen years ago, changed my life, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. This is, uh, it's not just somebody preaching, it's, it's well done, there's like skit, you know, I don't know, it's, 
not skits. I don't know. I'm doing a bad job of explaining it. But, but there's basically like some, uh, just watch it. I don't know. I'm running out of things. Uh, I'm trying to watch the time too. All right. Um, lastly, this is the last thing. Our library, Living Waters Library is coming back. It's going to be downstairs by the lower level entrance. Not this one, the new one, but the old entrance. You walk in, you make a right. It'll be up and running next week. And uh, there's a whole section on apologetics, evangelism, you know, prayer, Christian living, worship, all kinds of stuff. Kids section down there. But this book called Tactics by Greg Kokel, this uh, best book I've ever read on any topic. You want to know how to engage with people. This guy's brilliant. He gives you some great tips and things to do uh, in that book. So these are a number of things for you. I only have one copy of that book, but maybe you want to go to Amazon or whatever and, um, and get it. So again, uh, I, I want to be a help. I, I see that's my role here. Please, please don't fall into thinking that, that, well, Mike's too busy. He's got other things going on. No, that is not. I have time. I will make the time. I will stop doing certain things and start doing this. If you come to me and you say, I'm burdened. I, I got that Jeremiah fire, and Mike, I need some help. You know, and we'll struggle our way through it, you know, and we'll do it. And I'll, and, and I'll make the time for it, okay? But it's, it's on you to, to come to me. So uh, my email, you know where to find me. All right, so uh, in the remaining time that we have left, let me just say this, that, that these things... They're all useful. They're good. They're helpful. Maybe something you've seen here, you're like, yeah, I can do that. That's my hope. But you know what? These things are really no substitute for that human interaction, that loving Jesus and loving others that, that, that is so simple. It's so basic to Christianity, just being salt and light in whatever context God has you. So you might think that I came to faith from some bold evangelist guy. Mm-mm. Not the case. Uh, I um, used to work uh, about 15 years ago. I worked uh, down in, in High Spire, a uh, secular workplace, uh, and there was a, a guy there by the name of Mark who was a Christian, and, and he, he loved the Lord. But he wasn't one of those pushy preacher types. But we all knew that he was a Christian. And, and we were just a bunch of pagan guys working there. And you know, Mark was, uh, was amazing with how he, he carried himself. You know, loving Jesus, we all knew it, and, 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 and he showed love to us. Uh, but the way he went about things was uh, really interesting. I'll share with you an, an example. Because, yes, we must, you know, act right. That, that's part of the Christian life is right living, right attitude towards people. But there is a time that we need to open our mouth. And, 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 you know, Mark did this uh, in, in such a way one time that impacted me. I'll share it with you. Again, we're a bunch of guys. We're like truck drivers working there. But there was one woman who worked there. She happened to be the, the boss's wife. And, and she had a, a, a propensity to blaspheme. She would take the name of our Lord in vain. And she would say, you know, she would, she would use Jesus' first and last name, if you know what I'm saying. Right? I know Christ is not his last name, but she would, something would go wrong, and she'd be like, oh, J.C. And I'm sh I've never met a Christian who likes that. I mean, we, we all, it kind of makes me cringe when I hear it, and I'm sure you've been around when somebody has done that. And there's a number of ways to handle it. 
One, you can do nothing. You know, just say nothing, just let it go. You know, just kind of just grimace or whatever, just grumble to yourself like Marge Simpson. I don't know, just, you know. That's probably what most of us do. The other end of that spectrum is to just get all irate and just, how dare you do that? That's the name of my Lord that you're taking in vain there. I don't like that. I'm offended. I don't ever want to hear you do that again. That's a different approach, right? And there's a whole host of options in between. Well, Mark didn't do either of those. What he did, it was so subtle. It was, it was a small thing, but it impacted me. I remember it like it was yesterday. Something went wrong, a delivery wasn't made or something, and she goes, OJC. To which Mark responds, don't blame him, it's not his fault. Which I thought, that is a good response. Feel free to use that next time someone blasphemes. You know, it was a rebuking, no question. She got the message loud and clear. But he didn't get all uppity about it. No, he killed her softly. I like what he did. You know, and she was, she was kind of shamed a little bit. And, and, you know, and I was like, man, this cat's different, man. There's something about him. And what that did is that drew me to him. Because I had never seen anybody who was that devoted, really. I don't even know that I noticed she said it. I was probably saying it myself because I didn't know the Lord. And this was, this was attractive to me. I, I wanted to know more. So I would, you know, after work, I'd say, hey, Mark, man, you, you mind uh, hanging around for a little while? Let, let's talk. I, I would pepper him with my asinine questions because I didn't know anything back then. And he would patiently listen and, and seek to answer them. And what I didn't know was going on back then, but I, but I think now I know, is that God was drawing me to himself, and he was using Mark to do it. And, and Mark would never call himself an evangelist. He wouldn't. But I think about it, and as I prepared this this week, it, it brought me to tears all week. Because if it wasn't for Mark, I, I don't know what would have happened. I, I, and, and don't let the theology get in the way. I mean, I believe God has his elect and all that business, but I don't think I'd be standing right here right now if it wasn't for Mark. And what was he doing? He, was not, he wasn't peddling this. He, he wasn't standing up on a soapbox preaching at people. He was loving Jesus. And, and, and it was so obvious, and we got it. And, I, and it was because God was, was drawing me in, I, I, I was intrigued. And that fostered the conversation, the discussion. And I'm so glad that Mark was not an undercover Christian. And if I can ask you, are, are you an undercover Christian? Do, do people in your workplace or where you travel, do they know you're a believer? Do they know you love Jesus? Can they just tell? You know, I think we got too many undercover Christians. You know, what are we called to do? We're called to be salt and light. That's what we're called to be. Wherever we are, love God, love others. Yet speak up at just the right time, in just the right way. Mark's little comment about the blasphemy impacted me to this day, 2019. And I think God uses those small things to do amazing things. So... Before I get too long-winded here, let, let me wrap up with this. If we are to be faithful ambassadors for Christ, we must be intentional. 
We do. I think that's a key word. People, do they ask you, boy, there's something about you. You just look holy. I don't know. Maybe it's the halo around your head. I must know. What is the, the, the hope that you have within? They don't ask me that question. I mean, maybe that says something about my lifestyle or the way I carry myself. Maybe I look too much like the world, but they don't ask me that. i got to open my mouth at times. So what I want to do is I want to tell you that, that we are not to be like Mark, not to be like me, not to be like some Ray Comfort guy. God is a missionary. God is... He, He's the first evangelist, right? We are, we are being like our God, and our God is intentional. Go back all the way full, full circle to the garden, back to where we began in the basics of the gospel. Adam sins. What does he do? He doesn't come running to God. What must I do to be saved? No, he runs from God and hides. And God could have just let him go. Be all passive, all laid back. I told you, the day you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. I told you. You made your bed, now you got to lie in it. No, that's not how it went down. God pursued. He went after him. Adam, where are you? Who told you that you were naked? He Come out from behind the fig leaf. Let's talk. And they have a dialogue because God pursues him. And he's the first evangelist with the very first gospel proclamation. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, he tells them about the seed of the woman who will come. And yeah, his heel will be bruised. He will suffer. But he's going to crush the head of Satan forever, putting death to death. And we see that fulfillment in Jesus Christ when he comes. And what did he say? I came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's our God. We're to be like him. Clap if you want. Because just like Adam, we run from God. We sin, we run, we hide. And Jesus comes looking. He pursues us. The ultimate game of hide and seek. And we're to be like him. And he says, you know, you, I've rescued you. I desire to reach others. You, there's a reason we're called the body of Christ. To do the things that he did while he was here. And this is one of them. And he says, you're my ambassadors. I'm going to use you. I desire to use you. I'm making my appeal through you. That you would beg people, plead with people. When you do have that opportunity, do people hear that in your voice? Do they recognize the gravity of the, the danger that they're in? Because you're pleading with them. You've got to get right with God. That's what 2 Corinthians says that we ought to be doing. Begging people, be reconciled before it's too late. And that is our motivation, to be like the one who saved us. Remember, to be his representative to the world. Let me close with this quote here, again, from the aforementioned Charles Spurgeon. Love Spurgeon, that's my dude. He said this, We must be done with daydreams and get to work. Brethren, do something, do something, do something. While societies and unions make constitutions, let us win souls. Too often we discuss and discuss and discuss, and Satan laughs in his sleeve. That's great imagery right there. It is time to be done planning. I pray that you be men of action. Our aim is to win souls, and this we are not to talk about, but do it in the power of God. Now that is a, a very famous quote, and it usually gets interpreted as a sense of urgency. 
And that's true, no question. There, there, there is no time to waste. But I like to put my own little spin on it. I think, perhaps, maybe, Spurgeon might have said it like this. Do something. Do something. Do anything. I, I've presented a number of options for you. Maybe this stimulated something and you go outside the box and you think of your own thing. Do something. Find something that you can do that works with who you are, who God has made you to be, your personality, and get to work. Because he desires to use us. The question is, are you willing? Let's pray. God, you are so good. Lord, we thank you that you are a missional God, that you seek us out. You sought us out when we were running and hiding from you. Lord, I thank you for faithful servants like Mark and others, the people that have brought us to faith. Somebody told us faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. And, and somebody spoke into our lives, Lord, and you used them. And I pray, God, that you would use us. Use, despite all our frailty, all our, our inadequacies, how insufficient we are to, to accomplish this job, we're not mighty. You are. We, we don't have uh, great power, but you do. And you gave us a spirit of power, not, not of timidity, uh, a spirit of power and love and self-control. Lord, and will you move in this place? Cause us to act. Please, God, for your glory, for your namesake. In Jesus' good name, amen.